Hello and welcome to InspireMeTodayRadio.com. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. If you ask most people, they'll tell you that life is tough. And for many, suffering has become a way of life. But what if, just what if, there was another option? One that was an easier path. Wouldn't you want to know about it? Today's guest is a psychologist and author who joyfully shares insights about discovering that suffering is indeed optional. She speaks from her own experience about the possibility of moving from common everyday problems to living in the deepest, deepest acceptance and peace. Her name is Gail Brenner, and I'm so honored that she's here today to talk about four ways to awaken to life. Isn't that great? Gail, welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here today. Well, we're honored to have you, and I want to hear a little bit more about the four ways to awaken to life, but before we jump into that, tell me the condensed version. How did you get to be who you are doing what you're doing in the world today? Well, um, there are a lot of angles to that question. I, I uh, am, was always interested and curious about why I suffer. You know, I, I didn't have the worst upbringing in the world. A lot of people had, you know, way worse experiences than me. But I was always a little confused when things didn't make sense to me. I would have lots of feelings, especially for me, fear, and just knew that there had to be some other way of being in the world. So I was always curious about that and, and used my intellect to try to understand mm-hmm. how to get out of this way of suffering. And then eventually, this is several years ago, I was reading about Buddhism and read that the Buddhists said that it was possible to find the end to suffering. And I didn't understand it, and I didn't know what that actually meant or how to do it, but I something in me just lit up, and I knew that that was true. And that set me upon a quest to figure out how not to suffer. And it took me to books, retreats, different teachers, And finally, realizing that what I needed to do was investigate my own direct experience. It wasn't going to be given to me by someone else. I wasn't going to read that one passage that was going to turn the light on. Although I read some many, many beautiful passages. But what I needed to do was look into my direct experience in the moment to see what was actually true. And that was a turning point for me. Well, you know, a lot of people will, will read or will hear that suffering is optional. And they'll say, yeah, well, that works for other people, but not for me. I mean, you don't understand my life. So talk to me a little bit from that standpoint. I mean, people could look at you and say, you know, she's this um, accomplished author, just on and on and on of who you are, Gail. And they'd look at you and say, but that's her. She wouldn't understand my life. I have adversity in my life. So I'm guessing that being that you are a human, you also have had adversity in your life. So talk to me from that standpoint. When did this knowledge come into your life? And if it's, and if it, you know, regardless if it's 10 years ago or yesterday, how do you use it in your everyday life to overcome adversity and fear when they pop up now? Yeah. Well, adversity and fear are great starting points because they're common, like you're saying, common human experiences. Everybody experiences adversity. 
So let's use that as a starting point. So you say, well, I've experienced adversity. So then I would begin to question, what, what is that? What does that mean to say, I've experienced adversity? And you may tell me a story about something that happened to you when you were young or several years ago. And already we're beginning to unpackage what we're talking about by adversity. So it's a story that we tell ourselves about something that happened. And then there might be feelings that accompany that story. So then you, you, you tell the story in your mind and then you realize, oh, I'm sad when I tell that story or I'm, I feel afraid when I repeat that in my mind. So already we've, we've really opened up a lot of possibility here in looking at the thoughts that appear in the mind and the feelings that appear in the mind and in the body, in the heart, and to really investigate those to see what they actually are to get to the bottom of them. Excellent. And so when fear or adversity pops up in your life today, do you have a specific process or a way that you attack it or that you embrace it or that you deal with it? At this point in time, I've come to take none of that seriously. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) No, seriously, I love that. Yes, right. And I don't mean to make light of people's suffering because I, I have a great deal of compassion and empathy for people who experience suffering because I absolutely know what that's like. But I also know that suffering is a story that we tell ourselves in our minds and feelings. And when, and let's talk a little bit about feelings because a feeling, let's say fear is an example, is a label that we give to mostly physical experiences that we have in the body. So if you take fear, every, if you say, is, does fear show up in your body? Everybody says yes, because you feel sure. nervous, you sure. feel fluttery or pit of um, the stomach, whatever. Pit of stomach, vibrations of different kinds that are uncomfortable. And so we can see, okay, there are these physical experiences. And then we label them as fear. So I invite people to ask, what happens if you take away that label of fear? What's left? Mm. And what you find are physical experiences. And then when you realize these are just physical experiences that come and go, that we are aware we just, we're just spacious awareness. We're here. We're available to what happens to us. And these experiences come and go in awareness. And when that's the case, without the story and without the label of fear, then these experiences become way less threatening. I love that. I mean, if I look at times in my life where I can remember feeling fear, it was usually apprehension, nervousness, and sometimes even excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Which and are a ex- lot less scary than that big fear word. Absolutely. And excitement is a, you know, it's a great way to, to think about fear. But to know also that it's really just the physical sensations. And we can make the choice then to not repeat that story about, oh, my God, this is going to happen, or that happened last time I did it, so I'm afraid it's going to happen this time. Those are thoughts that when we attach to them, we limit our possibility. We limit the way that we think about ourselves and our identity. So that if you, if you buy into fear like I did for many years, you end up thinking of yourself as fearful and someone who needs to, for me, it was challenging my fears. And why can't I do the things I dream of? And why am I feeling held back? I would live in that kind of, of mental suffering. 
And when I realized that, that that's what I was living in, I wasn't living in the possibility of what I could actually do. I was living in the mental suffering about why what I wanted to happen wasn't happening. And I was feeling the fear. And that was my actual reality. And when I saw that, I could choose differently. Isn't that I wild? When you, isn't it wild that when you realize it really is a choice? It's absolutely a I choice. I mean, one of the things that I did, Gail, that um, opened my eyes to this was bungee jumping. And uh -huh. I don't know, have you ever gone bungee jumping? No, I have. I have <laughs> I've done it half a dozen times. And it's still the same absolute sheer, fearful terror every single time. But what it, my reason for even bringing this up is when you get out there and your feet are tied and you're ready to just dive off this, every single part of your physical body is screaming at you that this is the stupidest thing you could possibly be doing. But once you feel that fear and do it anyway, it is the single most exhilarating, enlightening, oh my gosh, wow feeling I have ever known. That's awesome. And what that does is it busts that whole idea we have around fear. That exactly. Exactly. And it makes me feel that that worst terror and worst exhilaration were a breath apart. So right. at the times that I'm feeling that terror now, for whatever reason, I mean, obviously, if I'm being chased by a grizzly bear or a saber-toothed tiger, it might be a little bit different. But very seldom do those do we put ourselves in those kind of situations. It's usually this mental tiger that's chasing us. That's right. And when you take that extra breath, huh, okay, I've jumped. Yes. Then you're exactly. there. Exactly. And the point you're making is really important because you know, I think people sometimes have the misconception that they have to get rid of fear. And you don't have to get rid of fear. Like you, when you bungee jump, you might jump, bungee jump another 10 times. You might still feel afraid when you're standing Every there. Every time. Yeah, but that's just when <laughs> you don't do it. So it's not about getting rid of fear. It's, it's actually, in a certain way, about making friends with fear. And say, hello, fear. Here you are. I get that you're here. So you're not resisting it. You're, you're accepting it and bringing it in. But by doing that, you then can make a conscious choice about what you want to do next and how you move forward. You know, it's funny, I just had another interview right before yours, and the woman who I was speaking to, one of our other luminaries, was talking about fear in terms of the metaphor of a grizzly bear. And I live up here in northern um, Montana, where we have grizzly bears. And she was saying, it's, and it's so true, it's the same thing that you do when you see a bear. If you see a bear, you don't turn around and run, because then you become bait. But if you just calmly, lovingly, gently talk out loud to reassure yourself and to reassure the bear while slowly backing away, nine times out of ten, you're fine and so is the bear. Absolutely. And so I thought, wow, to put it in those terms of to lovingly, gently talk to fear. Okay, fear, I know I'm feeling this, but that's okay. And I'm going to be just fine, you know, and, and talk your way through it, I thought was absolutely, utterly brilliant. Yes. And that's and it, exactly, you're saying the same thing. That's right. And it's not just about fear. It's about everything. Because when we resist, we've all heard the phrase, what we resist persists. Sure. And there's an absolute truth to that. So when we, when we don't welcome fear in, as an example, then we're resisting it. And then it has power. But when we bring it in, it begins to lose its power because we have a choice about it. And we begin, it begins to break up that identification. 
question. And it's true of anything. Like say that you hold on to some painful story from your past. When you begin to question it, when you say, okay, let me really look at this story. What is this? It's a series of thoughts. It's a, you know, seeing how it affects your life and really, really seeing it with, with very clear vision, like a laser light to shine the light on it, to see what it really is. Then you can say, okay, now I have a choice. I can continue to repeat this story and identify myself by these limitations, or I can choose differently. Hmm, I love it. You know, it's, it's funny how the universe loves me enough sometime to help send me messages in duplicate and triplicate. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? That you, you, might not, you might not get it the first time. You second time, you go, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. The third time, it's like, wait a minute, I just heard that. Yes. Yeah, so it's great. It's great, and I appreciate your sharing this. Well, Gail, you inspire so many people with your work. Who or what inspires you? Um, you know, at this point, I, my answer to that is life. You know, I, I live in the present. I appreciate things as they are. When I say not resisting, it means taking things as they are as if you've chosen them and, and welcoming everything as it is. So I plan, but I hold my plans lightly. I don't hope for things to be different than they are. I feel incredibly inspired by um, other people who really understand the power of presence. And I, I love listening to them and reading their work. Mm-hmm. And, and I love living like that in my daily life. Excellent. Well, speaking of daily life, you wrote a, I thought, Brilliant. Today's brilliance. And you entitled it The Four Wise Ways to Awaken to This Precious Life. I'm hoping you remember this. So talk to us a little bit about... Pardon me? I remember it. Yes, I'm not sure I remember every one Excellent. Well, I'll I'll read the four to you and you can talk about them if you would. You talked about orienting your life toward what it is that you love. Yes. That's your first one. So let me... Should I speak to... Yeah, please speak. Or? Yeah, speak to it. Well, or collectively, your choice. Do you want me to read all four? Um, let's do one at a time. Okay, if, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. of course, go for it. So, orient your life toward what you love is so important because um, I think people again have a misconception that you know someday the light will shine. Um, <laughs> the heavens will open. <laughs> yes, we we wait. We put off our happiness to some other time, and that's a misunderstanding. Because happiness, peace, everything we already want is already here right now. We're absolutely fulfilled when we stop seeing ourselves as limited um, entities, just running around separate from one another. So all of that is possible to us. But it's, it's about um, countering the power of the conditioned mind. Because it's the mind that convinces us that we're other than what we really are. The mind says you're small, you're limited, you, you lack things, you're, you're, um, you're, you're destined to be unhappy, you're not going to be successful. These are thoughts. This is what the mind tells us. And these can be powerful conditioned thoughts. You're leading but, right into number two, be willing okay. to question everything you see, what yes. is actually true, to see Absolutely. what is actually true. So yeah. as your mind is telling you all those, you're not good enough, you're not thin enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not rich enough, you're not whatever enough. You need to step back and see, is that really true? That's right. And, and going with the first point, you have to be very diligent about this because the power of the conditioning is very strong. 
I mean, this is what happened to most people in the world. You know, we're, we're actually talking to a rarefied few. I know your audience is quite large, but, you know, most of the world out there, the X number of billion people, live um, in their minds and, and not attuned to what's really possible. So when we, so it's so exciting to be able to talk about this possibility because what we need to do is orient our whole lives toward what we really want for ourselves. And that means in who you um, associate with, the things that you do in your spare time, um, what you think about. Like if you stop at any moment and you say, what am I thinking about? What is my reality right now? You might say, well, this is not the reality that I really want for myself. I'm just catching myself thinking about um, all the things I haven't done and I'm feeling stress. So that's, that's a reality that you can choose in the moment once you become aware of it. So you have to be very diligent and, and be on fire for what you really want for yourself. Talk about don't be a victim. Yes. Because that, I think, is a huge one for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yes, because we, if we um, believe our stories that come to our minds, we think of ourselves as a victim. We blame other people. If only she had done something different. If only this had happened and I'd gotten that job. I mean, the word, we can repeat the if onlys forever. But what that does is it, it creates this, this misbelief that happiness is not here right now, that if only something else would happen, then I would be happy. But that's about the future. And the future just continues to perpetuate this search when you think about it in terms of the if-onlys. But what I want to say is stop the search to get something that you don't think you have and look deeply into your experience right in this moment so you can realize that everything you want is already here. Which leads us right into living in the yes. 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 Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> How can you not? It's great. That's right. It's about not resisting. It's about seeing things as they really are. So say that you have a compulsive habit of some kind, even an addiction. Say you drink too much alcohol. You say, okay, yes, I drink too much alcohol. I need to tell the truth about this. And then you can begin to unwind it. What's driving me? What do I really want? What feelings do I need to face that I've been ignoring? When you, when you open up and you be so open that you're willing to see everything. And you were talking earlier about being loving with yourself. When you're open to what's actually your direct experience, it's the most loving way you can be with yourself. To let yourself be as you are and accept things as they are. Then you're, you're, you're letting go of that internal war I want things to be different. I want it this way, but it's that way. You let go of all of that resistance and you lovingly accept things just as they are. And there's a tremendous amount of peace that comes with that. Absolutely. And you know, you're in really good company, Gail, because when <laughs> I interviewed Richard Branson, we were talking about the British Virgin Islands a little bit ago. Richard yes. was one of my favorite interviews and he's actually known to his board as Dr. Yes, because he says yes to everything. He said, if it sounds fun, you say, yes, we're about the details later. That's right. And I thought, what a brilliant way to go through life. So, yes, I agree that living in the yes is a really positive thing to do. But let me ask you in practical terms, how do you do this? And what I mean by that is, do you have specific steps or practices that you do almost ritually each day to keep you on track that you don't buy in and you don't fall back into that hustle bustle mentality? 
at this point in time, my sensitivity has gotten really strong. So when I, when I'm off, I pick it up very quickly, like within a matter of minutes or, you know, Uh like it didn't last a day. Um, but earlier than that, I needed to do some practices. So one that I would really recommend to people I know everybody does is to be quiet to sit, whether you call it meditation, whether you take a walk in nature, just to let yourself be quiet for some period of time every day because it it allows you to tune in to what's actually here. It allows you to begin to be receptive and to listen rather than to think that you need to do and solve everything. So just being quiet is really, uh, really important to to have be a part of our experience. Secondly, I would suggest some period of time every day, like at the end of your day, look back and say, where did I get caught? Where did I have a reaction? You know, when I was speaking to someone or feeling stressed about something or I got angry at something, let me just stop and, and it, with a clear mind because the, the reaction is over now, let me just take a look at what happened. What was that trigger? So let's say I got angry about something. What, what was that? What actually happened? What thoughts were going through my mind? How did I feel in my body? And can I unwind that and just let that all be here? So that kind of investigation, at least once every day, if not often, more often than that, is really helpful in, in countering that strong conditioning of the mind. Because if you don't do that, the mind will take over and then you live a life according to these constructed thoughts about how you think things should be, mm-hmm. not what they actually are. So you need some practices like being quiet, investigation. You might write up, write about some things to, um, to, so that you can counter that conditioning. And I also, what was, has been very helpful to me is retreats and listening to teachers who you think are uh, helpful to you, reading important um, books and blogs or whatever that you think are helpful. So all of that stuff, which really gets to the first point about orient your life toward what you love. If this is what you want, if you want to figure out a way out of your suffering, talk to the people, listen to the people who you think really can help you and guide you and, and make that a part of your everyday life. Outstanding advice. Great advice. And I'd have to add, continue to listen to podcasts like this with amazing luminaries like Gail Brenner. So, Gail, I'm very grateful for the insights that you've shared with our listeners so far. And I know you may have already said some of these things, but again, if you were to summarize your greatest wisdom, wrap it up in a paragraph, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? What I would say is that it's, or what I, what I am saying right in this moment is that it's possible to be happy right now. It's possible to find the deepest peace that you long for, and you may not even think it's possible for you, but I'm here to absolutely tell you from my own experience, not from what I believe or what I've heard other people say, but from my own direct experience. Certainly we all know it's possible to suffer, but it's possible to find an end to suffering right in this very moment. I think that I'm quiet for a moment letting that sink in because I think that's going to be a big thing for a lot of folks listening to this. Not only to know that it's possible, but to then be given the tools of your four steps of the how as well. That's exactly This is right. great stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to reading your upcoming book. May I share the title? Yes, it's called, actually, it's called The Way of Yes. And the subtitle is 
finding peace and happiness right at the heart of your messy, scary, brilliant life. I love it. I have it written down here in front of me and it made me laugh and it made me smile, especially the messy, scary, brilliant life part, which is why I wanted you to share it. No, it's great. Well, hurry up and go write this, will you? Thank you. I think this this will be a good one and we're happy to help you promote it when you're ready for that. My final question to you, Gail, is one that I've had the honor of uh, asking luminaries as young as six and as old as 104. So you're somewhere in between those two. Here's your question, my last one for you. If you had just one more thing that you could accomplish or experience in your lifetime, just one more thing, what would it be? Well, I'm going to answer that in two ways. One is, one would be writing this book is really the culmination for me. Um, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. So, and it will be published later this year. It's, it's actually written now and in the process of publishing. So I'm absolutely thrilled about that. And the other way I want to answer the question is that there's nothing more I want than what's available right here in this precious moment. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Me too. I do my interviews on my little bouncy ball and I'm bouncing. So I can always tell when that, when things resonate, when they're true for me as well. So thank you again for being with us today. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? Oh, I should jump in and also make sure I mention to our listeners, you know, just come on back to inspiremetoday.com, put in Gail, spelled the same way as me. Isn't that cool? Gail Brenner, B-R-E-N-N-E-R. And we will put the links there to when her book is ready, where you can purchase the book, and also to her really wonderful Today's Brilliance. I think you'll enjoy reading that as well. So that way you can be in touch and follow what this wonderful woman is doing in the world. So we'll make it easy for you. And so, Gail, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Anything else you're working on or anything you'd like to add in closing? Um, Well, I have a blog. It's gailbrenner.com, G-A-I-L-B-R-E-N-N-E-R.com. And I have over three years' worth of articles on that blog about uh, about the thing, just the things we're talking about today. So I know that some of this is general, and people are going to say, "Well, it sounds good for her, but how am I going to do this? The how do I do it?" That's like the major question that comes up for people. And on my blog, I have tons and tons of information there that about um, actual skills and tools that people can apply to their daily lives. Perfect. We'll make sure to put the link to that directly on Inspire Me Today as well so that people can click on it and, as I lovingly say, go fall down the rabbit hole because you've got so many links on here. You just keep on going and going and going, and it's great. It's all good stuff. Well, we're, we're grateful to have you here, Gail. Thank you again for spending time with us. And You're to, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We love you. We're here for you. We'll see you again tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by.